G'day and welcome to Green and Gold Rugby Podcast 212. Matt Rowley here. And our five burning questions tonight. One, did I write off the Aussie Super Rugby season too early? Two, who gets cut from the Wallaby squad whose name isn't Joe Powell? Three, who win the mind games? Eddie or Czech? Four, on the back of the women's seven success, what happens post-Rio? And then finally, what the hell do Rugby Watchers of Australia do this weekend? Let's get into it. So, joining me tonight, we've got a bit of a shake-up, actually. So, we've got the usual in here, uh, sponsored, or still looking for sponsors, maybe, Hugh Cavill? Yeah, still looking for sponsors, mate. It took a bit of a blow this week with um, me missing the Wallaby squad. Uh, I yeah. thought that might have given my brand a bit of a bit of a kick-up, but um, not to be for another year, but uh, I'm still here. I'm still still fighting and, uh, yeah, keen for, keen for a big night. Mate, success isn't a linear road, right? You know, you've seen that thing on LinkedIn. It's not a straight line. Goes, that's the, that's what I keep keep telling my parents. It's, yeah, it, it'll you know it'll happen. <laughs> um, and then look, you know, rugby Reg, he's out. Uh, I don't know. I guess he's just taken like a full week off from rugby, um, or maybe it's just, it's just burnout, sort of mid-season burnout. Uh, so we've let him out of the uh, the booth. And we've got joining us tonight. We're going to actually let him speak. We've taken the gimp mask off. It's Bobus, mate. How are you? Oh, uh, super pumped, mate. It's great, great, um, great weekend of Super Rugby. Uh, I'm still. I haven't had to put a jacket on, and it was three degrees this morning in Melbourne. Uh, and two, two really good wins from the Australian teams, and I heard the Tars went okay. Right. So is Whoa. that? Jeez. <laughs> Shot. He's out. He's swinging Get out of the cage. <laughs> See, that's why we have to leave him kind of locked up. He comes, he comes out with stuff like that. Um, it's outrageous. Look, I'd love at this point in the podcast to read out the latest um, awesome reviews that we get on iTunes. There isn't one this week, guys. Um, obviously, I'm just taking that as a sign. We need to pull the socks up. I, I, I ran out of email addresses to log <laughs> in on. Uh, well, look, you know, if, if we need to spring for some more cash for that, then let us know. Um, okay. But let's um, stop stuffing around because we've got later on in the uh, podcast as well, about midway through, we've got um, Bob Dwyer is joining us and he's giving us a good 25-minute lowdown on what the hell he thinks is going on in Australian rugby. Um, So we've got the questions on either side of that, so let's get stuck in. First off, did I write off the Aussie Super Rugby season too early? Uh, As you said, Bobus, there was uh, a couple of great wins and the Rebels squeaking a win as well. Um, on the weekend. So did I get it wrong, Hugh? No, I don't think you did. And I, I must say, you know, I did agree with you. I think we all said that we didn't have anything to play for. And, and I'll stick by that. I think um, it was great to see the Tars get a win against the Chiefs. But history showed us in Super Rugby that, that um, really, if you want to make a dent in, in the finals, and, and the one notable exception, oddly enough, was last year with the Highlanders, but if you really want to make a dent, you, you've got to be in that top one or two spots. And, you know, we, we might, you know, punch our way. The Brumbies might punch their way to fourth or fifth. But in the end, I think, you know, they and they might get to the last four. But I think that lack of home ground advantage is going to kill them at a valuable time. And, look, there's still a lot that can go on with the, with the internationals over the winter. And, you know, if the Kiwis lose a few players and we manage to keep our guys intact... And, and the South Africans too. You can't forget about them. Um, th- then you never know. But uh, look, I'm I'm not quite ready to get my hopes up just yet, Matt. 
So, mate, this is just revealing yet another thing that I haven't computed or I haven't bothered remembering about this new setup. So you're saying if you come top of a conference, you don't get a home game? No, you yeah. do. You get a home yeah, yeah, game. Yeah. But, but if, if you're the if you're low-ranked, if you're not uh, number right. one in the minor premier, the grand final is not going to be with you. And if you're the third-ranked conference, I'm not sure how it works new this year, but I'm sure that, you know, they're not going to be high enough to um, – you know, to finish. And he, here's a trivia question for you, Matt. Oh, yeah. um, I just, do you know, can you name for me, um, and I'm just getting it up on my phone just to make sure I'm correct, and I'm not, but who who is the top team in the South African conference? Holy shit. I want to say, I want to say it's the Sharks. It is not the Sharks. The oh. Sharks are currently seventh. Can I buzz uh, in here? Overall. Who, Bobus, what's your guess? I think it's the Lions. It is the Lions. And they are just three points adrift of the Crusaders with a very easy run home. They play the Kings and the Jaguars and the Sharks. So they could well end up the minor premiers. The Lions. Who would have thought? Because they absolutely flogged uh, the Blues, the Bulls, didn't they? Yeah, well, the thing is they don't play any Australian conference sides, so we haven't seen them at all. So that's the reason. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in. I mean, I, that's this thing. I mean, I haven't seen them play a, a single game um, this season. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't tell you who was in the bloody team. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, what about you, Bavis? Are you staying with that we're all written off, or you, you reckon there's a comeback on the cards here? Well, that's what I was going to say before. We do get a home final. So if the Waratahs and the Brumbies can continue, well, if the Waratahs play like they did last week. Mm-hmm. Let's put on us. Let's be honest. They they could go all the way, but they've just got to show consistency. And same with the Brumbies. I mean, you can't take much out of the Sunwolves game beating them ten ten tries to one. But I mean, if they can beat someone like the Chiefs, you know, or or beat a team away from home that they weren't meant to beat, and then mm. bring that into the finals, we. I mean, it's a game of rugby. I mean, stranger things have happened, but history tells us that you need to really be in that top two. So. Right. I think the odds on money would be that we, we're not coming away with any silverware, but stranger things have happened. Mate, so look, just have either of you guys done any sort of like, you know, sort of next, the, the what, what the run in it is now, I mean, and sort of where the big hiccups are. So if we go to the Waratahs, so I've got this app that I'm looking at, and unfortunately I can, I can see who they are, but I've got to interpret the signs. So the Waratahs are going to have the fire puppies um, away. Uh, and then they've got – is that the Hurricanes at home? Uh, yeah, Hurricanes at home and, and Blues away. Blues away. So, look, you know, look, so you've got a banker, you'd hope, in the Fire Puppies. Then you've got, um, you know, Hurricanes at home. You know, they've had a bit of a ropey season, haven't they? Yeah, look, Hurricanes, have, they've been up and down. They're, they're a good side, though. They've, they've beaten mm. – I mean, they started out the year with that hideous 50-0 loss in Canberra, but – They've been pretty on their game since then, including a, a big win over the Lions, our, our mates over in South Africa. So um, they're riding pretty high. They, they beat the uh, Highlanders on Friday night too, so uh, mm. I think they'll be pretty stern opposition. Well, they're third in that the Kiwi Conference, right? So they're above the Highlanders and just below the, the Chiefs. Um, okay, so th- that, that's who the Waratahs have got. The Brumbies have got uh, – who have they got at home? That's the Reds, right? Um, yeah, I think 
Reds, then they've got the, then they've got the uh, Blues, and then they've got the Force at home. So you've got to say that's a you know it's a better run in, right? Yeah, it's a better run in. They should be taking ten points out of those three games. Mm. I mean, so really, it's about the Waratahs getting that bonus point against the uh, Sunwolves, and then you know getting a, a couple of wins uh, out of those other two games. Um, okay, but it's all, it's all sort of different. Then you've got all the permutations about whether we can get up the log or not uh, to try and get ourselves some sort of a wild card. I've got no idea how that's gonna how that's gonna sort out. Um, but look, I mean, we haven't had a chance. I know I had a live wang on Facebook on Monday night. Listeners, if you missed it, keep an eye out for that. Um, actually, if you find it in the Facebook feed, I think you can subscribe to it. So next time we have a live wang, uh, it'll come up in your feed and it'll let you know when it's on. Uh, we're going to try and make them a bit more regular. Monday nights, I think, is probably the go, but we'll try and let you know when we're going to be doing it. Um, but it was a pretty remarkable match on on Friday for, for the Tars. I think everyone's been talking about it. We did some analysis, which went like gangbusters on on the on Facebook page. Um, absolutely went off, like eight, reaching eighty thousand people, twenty thousand viewing some of these things. So I think it. And one of the one of the things that came through a lot of the comments was even people who weren't Tars supporters. Uh, saying how much they enjoyed, for example, the, the try the try analysis we did. Uh, what was your favourite bit of that game here? Oh, it was it was that try that 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 straight back. You know, we scored that for that first try to get us get our noses back in front, and and then that try straight from the kickoff. We, we just was that sort of one two three punch. It, great. Skills from the forwards, really good organisation, good simple rugby, nothing too complex, and uh, all of a sudden, the, then we had that gap, and it was just showed you that that they they really had got their ass in the gear over half time, and and um, yeah, that was just a fantastic little burst there, and um, yeah, easily their best phase best phase of the season. Mm. Look, um, one of the things that I mean, a lot of people have been talking about is how the Waratahs, are, you know. Obviously, this performance uh, was 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 pretty amazing. Um, uh, some information that I've had through is that apparently the Waratahs sort of did a bit too much running in preseason, and um, a lot of people are saying actually they've actually only just come through it. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if maybe they overdid it a little bit, and um, you know now they're getting some more into some equilibrium. Um, Bobus, what about you, mate? So it, it doesn't have to be from that Tars match. You know, what was your sort of favourite? I always enjoy an intercept with the team hot on attack. And Falau in the 13 jersey poking his hand out with a two-on-one outside him and snatching Mm. it and then having the gas to make it to the other end, striding out. He did well, didn't he? He's taking taking one step to D-Max too, and he's he's just keeping his nose ahead of his. So it was was a great try to watch, great spectator try. Mm Mm-hmm. He's yeah. never been great for top end speed, is he? But I was su- I was surprised when he got the length there because normally he gets run down, but in, by in about yeah. sixty seventy. But he got, he got what he has over everyone else is that agility and that ability to keep his weight in through the contact zone and then get to the other side and then to see him not have to do that and just out and out sprint was was good to watch. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, okay. So that so look, I think we've probably wanged on enough about that. But um, was it was a f- Fantastic match. It'll be interesting to see if the Tars can uh, keep that form going, uh, you know, after this big break we've got now. Um, but it, I think one of the things that we enjoyed seeing, though, was, you know, seeing a bunch of the Wallabies kind of stand up. I think that was probably the other bit was that people were happy to see maybe some of those guys that 
people were saying, yeah, why the hell has he found his way into the squad? And you saw, you know, like Cliffy Palu had an absolute belter of a game. Uh, and then you saw also like Dean Mum, he had his best game of the season as well. And then Michael Hooper is will definitely come back into the form, uh, which uh, Bob will talk about uh, later on in his interview. Um, okay, so look, and that kind of takes us into question number two, which is uh, who gets cut from the Wallabies squad whose name isn't Joe Powell? Although I know you've got something to say about that, Hugh. Um, we'll just say, look, there's a theoretically it's a Wallabies squad of 39, but Czech has actually called up. Um, another three players. So Mike Harris, I understand, uh, picked up a knock um, and uh, and got injured in that, in that game on the weekend, although my birdies tell me that he could well be training again in Melbourne. Um, and so uh, we had, had Reese Hodge then got a call up from the dressing room to join the squad. But then also Kyle Godwin and third guy who is um, Reddy. Is it Andrew Reddy from the Reds? Yep. Um, so you've actually got uh, 41 guys up there. I know that they're going to announce a squad of 30 on Friday. So 11 guys uh, will, will have to go back. Um, and if you look through the squad, that actually makes for some pretty interesting reading. So I think our call here was going to be who's, you know, what one guy are you pretty sure is going to be going back Bobus, do you maybe want to start? Who, who, who are you going to vote off the island? I'm voting Nabuli off the island. Get right. in there nice and early, the rookie winger. Mm. I mean, it, it, winger is a sore spot, but, you know, your feeling is he just, you know, I, he doesn't have... I the, just don't think he's going to have the experience, the defence. I think that we've got people that can cover the wing. Mm. I mean, the easy answer would be, and I might give you two here so Hugh doesn't take it, um, Hodge, if Hodge is in that 30-man squad, which I think he's been named in, then mm. he's the easy one because he's the last one in, first one out. Mm-hmm. But it, out of that 38, so cross off Mike Harris off the 39, out of that 38, I'd say Nabuli would be my first first to go just because he's um, he's been found out in defence before. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a rookie, and I think we've got the inside back's ability to cover the wing. Okay. So, uh, Hugh? Yeah, well, there's a few obvious ones. I mean, I don't think Alan Alatoa is going to make it through, um, just given the quality of props we've got with Kepu back in the ranks. Um, oddly enough, I think Powell is going to stay, just because you can't, I'd, be, I'd be surprised if they go in um, with only two halfbacks, just in case there's an injury pre-game or something, and then you've only got one, and I think that's a bit of a risk for such a specialised spot. So you never know that I reckon Joe Powell might stay in the 30. Um, the guy I'm going to have to say, and it pains me to say it, um, is Liam Gill. He's yeah. going to get cut. And it kills me. And we've had this discussion every week. Mm. He doesn't deserve it. He deserves so much better. But mm. um, well, unfortunately, a, given the calibre of opposition he's up against. Um, yeah, I mean, you've got him sat there in between four names, Michael Hooper, uh, well, yeah, Michael Hooper, Liam Gill, Sean McMahon, David Pocock, and obviously Sean McMahon kind of straddles six and seven. But you know, all you know, all four are open sides, and it's a it's a toughie, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Look, no, there's no really easy decisions. Actually, as you scroll through the squad, there's no one that you know, with probably the exception of Al- Alatoa, Nabuli, and 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 maybe yeah. Uh, you know, you, you wouldn't think he's going to cut Leroy. The guys he's flown back. You know, mm-hmm. Hall will got to stay. Um, Leroy Houston, you think might stay, 
all of these guys. So I don't know. I don't know where the nine guys are coming from. There's going to be a few big names in there, I would mm. think. Yeah, well, I mean, other news from the squad is that apparently James Horwell is looking bloody fit, and all the Reds are a lot fitter this year than they were last year. Um, Alan Alatoa apparently looked really good in training today and was spending time in tight head. So, look, I, I had him bolded on my list as, an, a, a, you know, an easier cut. Um, but like I said, I'm just hearing. And also, Sakopi Kepu is still in transit. Um, so that'll be interesting to see what they're going to do with Friday. I think it's going to make it pretty interesting. Um, I, I have a look down the second rowers, and there's just too many. Yeah, so, exactly. I think you, two you, of them go, but yeah. I just don't know which two. Well, you've got so you've got Skelton, Arnold, Carter, Coleman, Horwell, and Simmons. Now, I would have, I'd thought I'd heard James Horwell was more there for his IP than he was for his playing, but A, I hear apparently he's damn fit, and then B, I mean, there's no point bringing him all the way back for his IP, and then only yeah, exactly. Have, that's only, what I would have only have him there for five days. I don't see how that's going to help out. Um, so, um, speaking of Hallwell, did any of you see the final with the Harlequins and Montpellier? He no. was everywhere in that final, absolutely right. everywhere. He was keeping he's keeping the Harlequins in the game. And if people don't know, so that that match ended ridiculously, didn't it? So it, it was a very silly end of the match. Yeah. So what, what, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy who was the reserve fly half for Harlequins. So they were within a score, weren't they? And so they were within a score, and I think he's being signed to Montpellier next season. Yes, as well. Yeah, so they need to keep ball in hand. They need to score a try, and they need to get down the other. And he kicks it. He kicks it away, literally just aimlessly downfield. Fullback picks it up and goes, uh, "I think I'll kick that out." And that's fullback yeah. Mog Mog. Yeah, <laughs> double dual try scorer. We put the highlights up a while ago. Yeah, uh, yeah, you put the highlights up. The yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, look back to second row. So look, I don't. I mean, it's that's an interesting one. That one. So if you say if you say Horwell stays, I reckon Skelton's going to be there. He timed a good game, I thought, on Friday night, and he he offers something very different to the others. Um, I would have question marks. I'd have a question mark over Sam Carter. Yeah, I think Carter and Coleman probably go. Mm. If I'm looking at that, because. He's picked Carter before. I mean, Hall, you've got to remember, we thought he was in great form and we thought he was – but then Checker left him out of the World Cup squad. Mm. So he's got form for picking and then he picked Carter to fill in when Skelton went home injured. So, But then again, all of these players he's picked before, so I, I've got no idea. You think Simmons is the only one that could consider himself a lock, <laughs> so to speak. Um, mm. But, um, yeah, that, that, there's a few too many there. Mm. Mm. Well, then we've got three number eights, right? So you've got yeah, you Houston, McAllen, and Parley. You've got, you th- you've got to think one of them is going to go. The thing is we haven't seen Houston on these shores for a long time, so what he actually looks like. But you can't imagine that you know he's brought him back all this way um, for five days in a, in a training camp. Um, Cliffy Parley, look, none of us would have said that he was there for anything more than a figurehead until Friday night. Um, so maybe he's going to make it uh, more difficult, uh, you know, f- for check. But I guess if I out of those three, I'm, I don't know. I had probably uh, Cliffy's name's bold. I thought he'd actually retired, but there you go. Um, and then I, yeah, I mean, I had like you either Harris or Reese Hodge. Although if you take away Harris, there's not a lot of cover for Foley apart from Lelia Um 
And so then, yeah, the only other guy that I think you get down to is probably a choice between Haylett Petty and Moorahan. And I probably would have thought that was an easy decision until Sunday. Yeah, didn't Moorahan look good? But then again, Haylett Petty looked good too. Mm. But I reckon it's out of one of those two guys, I would have thought. Yeah. Uh, so because, you know, you've got Carmichael Hunt, who I think will stay. You've got Israel Folau there. I think, and look, I, I honestly think looking at his form – Israel Folau might make the thirty. I think he might stay. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say he'd he'd be in he'd be in my top twenty nine players of Australian rugby. Yeah, he he gets yeah. it. Yeah. Well, the, so then the other guy who's still on his way there is Tinkeli Nairavoro. So I mean, he he might just get there for Friday, <laughs> and what they turn him around. Well, um, don't you, the thing about him and and who Houston are, they've both signed contracts with the Reds and Waratahs respectively, and I think that so here is anyway, effective immediately. Yeah, right. So they would just go straight into training for... Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah, it's possible, okay, I guess, you know, big uh, uh, Tinkerley, uh, you know, might get a knockback. Um, all righty. So, look, so, so that's, so you know, that's the squad. Some, uh, pr- some pretty interesting stuff going on there. Other stuff I've heard as far as sort of, you know, what they've been focusing on uh, so far. I don't know, have either of you guys heard there's an acronym that apparently they use, um, which is called uh, DTABS, uh, which, stand, which, which stands for Don't Take a Backward Step. So that's... Meaningless? You know, Completely meaningless? I don't think so. I th- oh, well, I think that's... Isn't that Czech's philosophy in life? Uh, yeah, I know. But, I mean, God, uh, yeah. Yeah, good, good on him. Good on him. It's a good philosophy, I suppose. But, I mean, try not taking a backward step if you've got buddy Jerome Kano running at you at 110 days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, like, I think most teams have had some sort of a name, some sort of yeah, I don't know. This philosophy is like that, right? I thought I was expecting something a bit more uh, uh, um, a bit more R-rated from Czech, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> Well, that might be the uh, yeah, that, that might be the censored version for the podcast anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, look. So there, there are first two questions. Third question, who's going to win the mind games, Eddie or Czech? So before we get stuck into this, uh, I suggest that we uh, roll the interview that we had with Bob Dwyer because, look, amongst a whole bunch of other things, what we've just talked about, um, he's got a few things to say there. So we'll cut him in and we'll come back later. Such a man off the ball. I gave him the opportunity. When I spoke to him, he spoke to my family. I won't have it. So joining me now, I've got a regular favourite of Green and Gold Rugby, uh, Bob Dwyer, mate. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Matt. Good, mate. Look, um, my first question was just going to be, we've been talking about it for months. I guess there's been a lot of hand-wringing going on about the state of play with the Aussie super teams. What's your take on the whole thing? Well, I think uh, maybe some odd games we've been quite concerned about but as the season as the season settled down I'm I'm not unhappy about the form of uh of the Australian teams I think uh I think the quality of some games has been right up uh with the standard across the super rugby um and I think that the the form of uh, our top players has really started to get to their to their very best form in 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 more recent weeks. Um, I, I think we'll put together a, a a very good side to play against England. Um, 
a couple of positions have, have proved a bit difficult with with injuries and and players moving overseas. Mm. Uh, wing wing and second row have proved a bit difficult, but with the case of the second row, I think we've probably got about five or six younger second rows coming through who who could become really good players and wouldn't surprise me to see Michael Checker introduce one of them into uh, into the, the the team for for the England matches. Um, maybe even uh, maybe even a different one for different tests so we can so we can have a look at a couple of them. Yeah. Um, wing um, wing's mainly a problem. Uh, due to due to injury, um, Adam Ashley Cooper going away, of course, and Drew Mitchell uh, on the injured list. He could have come back as well, but um, yeah, I, I, I think I think we're not too bad. I, I expect us to have a. By the time we get together against England, I expect us to have a really good team, and by the time we get together for the the rugby championship, I expect us to be another another step up. So I think we're very competitive. Mm. Well, I mean, there seems to have been. I mean, Friday night seemed to have been a, be a bit of a watershed. Obviously, the Tars taking down. I think the top New Zealand team, um, the Chiefs, in pretty spectacular fashion. Have the Tars been building to that, or was it a blip? No, I think I think the Tars have been building to it. The, the general consensus around the Waratahs camp has been that it's taken the team a bit of time to adjust to the entirely different personality of their new coach. Um, Daryl Gibson compared with their old coach Michael Checker, mm. and they're obviously completely different different personalities, and and uh, the way they present themselves to the team is entirely different. So it's been a thought that it's taken the, the team a bit of a while to adjust to that. Um, even though Daryl was part of the coaching setup uh, before that, anyway. Um, so certainly that that was a quality display. Uh, the, the score six tries against the Chiefs is. Is a big effort, and it was a tough, tough game, um, full of uh, full of physicality, but but also full of full of skill, pace, and skill. I, I thought uh, it was a great performance. And then we've we've seen some some really good performances recently. I think by the Reds, mm-hmm. and a little bit up and down by the Brumbies, but at their they've been either very good or or good. Um, so even though I say up and down, they've, they've shown a pretty high standard. Um, and I thought today's game, um, uh, Melbourne versus Perth, the, the Rebels versus the Force, Force was I thought it was a really good game. I thought it was a high standard and very good game. And um, I think we've got a very good squad selected, and I think there's a, a couple of players left out who could just as easily have been selected. Mm. And mate, so within the, I mean, that Tars win on, on Friday night, I mean, Michael Hooper um, had a, a crackerjack of a game. I know you were quoted in, in, in the press giving him a bit of a serve a, a few weeks back. Have you seen him change and uh, pick up a bit of form? Yeah, it was a while ago now. It's probably oh, seven or so weeks ago, seven or eight weeks ago. I, I thought... Uh, I thought his form was ordinary in the extreme. I, I just didn't. I just didn't see the real Michael Hooper at all. Um, but uh, he's he's certainly back to form, and his form on Friday night was absolutely outstanding. And 
he's he's a great he's a great player and had a had a fantastic World Cup. Um, and I think, but I think Friday night's form is maybe as maybe as good as I've seen him play. He was uh, in in uh, one of the tries he scored. He he was probably in the sequences of play about four times yeah. um, in in the one sequence, uh, which was an outstanding effort. Um, and we've always known his attacking ability, but his his uh, his tackle count. In Friday night's game was absolutely outstanding. I was I was quite concerned earlier in the season season about his lack of competitive competitiveness over the ball at the mm. tackle, um, but he's certainly back in in amongst it uh, now, well and truly. So um, I only say it uh, as I see it at the time, and uh, I'm pleased that. Uh, if I was wrong before, uh, then then um, then I would acknowledge it. But I think I was I was accurate previously. But now I, I give him full marks, and uh, it's great to see him. I'm pleased to see him back to form. Yeah, well, I mean, he's, he's played a hell of a lot of footy over the last few years. I guess you can uh, imagine him having a dip at some stage, um, mate. Looking at the. Uh that, that squad that checks announced the 39 men squad. Obviously, it's pretty wide ranging. Um, are there any sort of spots in there that sort of either surprise you or leave you with a bit of concern? Um, I suppose the third choice scrum half. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure he's a very good player. Um, whether he's had enough time at this level to to be able to play in such a crucial position, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. But um, well, they, I, I'm I'm sure that uh, there was a fair bit of discussion with Steve Larkham about about that selection, and uh, uh, so they they must have a hell of a lot of faith in him. And I must say, I've in in the past, I've picked players who have had very little, or in some cases nil, mm. experience at top level, and and you know they've they've come on. If you've got the goods, I guess uh, I guess uh, you you can come through. Uh, the, the good news is that um, apart from Joe Powell, who we've just we've just spoken about, there's there there are a number of players coming through who are going to who are going to form a. Uh, an important part of the Wallaby squad, you know, over the next five or more years, um, and and that's good. And I think there's a couple left out that uh, could just as easily come through too. I think Lapiti Tamani is is really um, is really starting to to grow into what is obviously a huge talent that he possesses. Uh, and I know that every player that plays against him comes off saying, boy, oh boy, when he hits you, you stay hit. Mm. And uh, I also think that um, uh, Robinson on the tight head for the Waratahs, is Tom Robinson? Oh, Robertson, yeah. Oh, Tom Robertson um, is a very good player. So I, I expect that before very long he'll be... Uh, He'll be up there as well. Mm. I mean, I guess uh, Lepetti Tamani, he might be looking at the selection of Leroy Houston and thinking um, that uh, Houston coming back might have impacted his chances there as a sort of a big back rower. Uh, were you surprised to see Leroy in the squad? Well, I knew beforehand that a couple of these guys were 
coming back. I knew oh. that Leroy was coming back and assigned with uh, the Reds, and uh, I knew that uh, Takeli Noyana Barrow, or however you pronounce his name, oh. is back and signed with the Waratahs. So um, I knew a few of these guys were coming back, and so it's no real surprise to see him in there. Leroy is a very good player and has, has been in his time at Bath over the last few years has been absolutely outstanding um, and uh, I haven't seen the winger play um, on the, I've seen uh, Leroy a few times on on telly um, but I haven't seen the winger play on telly but uh, the, the British journos tell me that he's had an outstanding season with um, with Glasgow yeah. And what sort of style or what sort of qualities do you expect, Leroy, or that Czech is looking for out of out of Houston? Well, Czech always wants players that that have got courage and, and commitment um, and, and, I guess, persistence who will uh, keep hitting hard and keep carrying hard, um, as well as being technically good. And Leroy's certainly that. I mean, he was a very good player when he went away. Mm-hmm. But he's a better player now, and he's—I think he's still 28, so he's got a fair bit of—he's uh, got a fair bit of footy left in him. Um, yeah, a check doesn't like players that that don't aim up for the for the full period. And we could see in the World Cup just how much commitment and work rate he was able to. Uh, he was able to get out of his out of his guys. Uh, some of the some of the Wallabies' performances in the World Cup were, um, I suppose, getting towards incomprehensible. Uh, how they won against Wales, for example, with the 13 men for that period uh, and defended their line—that you know, sort of thing—and and he, he just wants guys that will do that every time they go on the field. And if he sees if he sees uh, something that indicates that someone falls off the game for a period, he, he he doesn't like it. It takes a bit of changing his mind then, um, which is fair enough. Uh, but I, I still expect uh, Tamani to uh, to come through. I I, uh, I I think he's just just started to get an idea of just how good he can be. So we need to see him against good company and see him do the same do the same thing against uh, top level company. But no, I mean, he's a brute of a man, and uh, we we haven't got too many people that can hit as hard as he can in ball carrier and in tackle. So, uh, if it was me, I'd be trying to get the most out of him. Mm. So, um, I guess the other space that a lot of people are talking about is, you know, no no Kurtley Beale, obviously, and uh, no Matt Tamua. Um, so, with what the way Czech's been running it, I know you've had quite a few thoughts around this for a while now. Um, he's getting a bit low on second playmakers there. Um, what do you yeah. think might happen? Well, I think there's, I think there's a bit, a bit of overstating to be quite honest about um, the need to have second playmakers and high-level ball skills, so-called high-level ball skills, um, in the inside centre spot. Um, I mean, I'm the last person to say we don't need skills, but I don't actually think the skill level that we need there is all that all that difficult to achieve. I, I mean, what, probably our greatest ever inside centre, Tim Horan, I, I don't think anyone would suggest that Tim's greatest asset were his ball skills. Um, 
yet an outstanding player. Mm. Um, if you if you are an adequate if you're adequate with your passing skills, you need to have good catching skills. If you're adequate with your passing skills and and you you understand the lines of running uh, that are required and the commitments that's required in defence as well, um, then I think you can play there. I, I think we've got a number of people who can fill that spot. Um, certainly, um, certainly, Karevi has has to me got all the ball skills you need to play in that in that position. Um, and you can tidy. He, he, he's big on the offload, which is great. But I always think that the most important thing about a quality offload is the quality of support play rather than the ball carrier. Mm. Um, I think the positional play and of the support player is far more important. I think the offload, to a large extent, is not that difficult. Um, and especially if you've got large hands, which Karevi seems to have, judging by the way he can flick the ball out the back of his hand. And I've always thought, as you know, that Kurandrani can play there. Um, I think uh, I think um, that uh, Carmichael Hunt can can play pretty much anywhere. I think Carmichael Hunt is a very good player, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that might need a little bit of time to to educate him into not not educate him, but let himself be educated into the pace um, of the game at another another level up but but I think he has genuine quality. I think his ability to take a defender out of a space and leave the ball in the space for a support player is better than anyone in, in else in Australian rugby. Um, to quality I really admire. I think it's one of the one of the joys of um of, of watching rugby to see a player that has the ability to do that. And um, and uh, obviously um, we've got we've got a few more people who can who can uh, play there as well. It it depends on just where Czech wants to play Israel Folau. Um So I, I think we've got plenty of players. The biggest problem is just reaching a conclusion on exactly exactly where you would like to play people. Mm. Um, I mean, you could nearly you could nearly as a bit of a trial, you could nearly say, okay, who are our best um, five backs? Let's call them outside backs between 12 and 15. Who, who are our best five? And then say, can I fit them into a uh, into a team? Um, and would they do, do they satisfy all the uh, all of the needs of the various positions? Um, so that'd be one way around. You could select it the normal way too. Who do we think could be the best twelve, and who the best thirteen, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but there's massive versatility, which makes it even trickier. In fact, as a selector, it's a lot better if you haven't got any versatility. You can just pick the best blokes in all the positions. But between um, uh, Karevi and Kurandrani and Leofano and and um, Israel Folau and Carmichael Hunt, um, and add in add in a number of wingers. Well, Rob Horn can play centre as well, as we saw on Friday night. Mm. Um, it's where he played most of his rugby until the last two or three years. So um, I, I, I think we'll be I think we'll be fine out there. Uh, 
we'll, we'll probably we'll probably have a couple of changes over the three tests just so we can have a good look at all the players. Um, not not necessarily all, but the players you think are going to figure in the 23 or 25 for the for the Super Rugby um, Championship. Uh, not the Super Rugby Championship, the Rugby Championship. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so I, uh, I think we'll be very good. Uh, Sakabi Kepu back is is fantastic, mm. uh, and and that really helps. So with him and Greg Holmes showing top form, uh, surprisingly, he just continues to. In fact, the last few years he's played better than he's played in his entire career. So, uh, um, so we're 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 good again on the tight head. We're really good at hooker. Um, in fact, we've got we've got some young hookers coming through too, um, in the reds and in um, in the fourth, um, who look who look real really good. Uh, um, loose heads, a little bit more of a problem maybe, but um, we're we're well off uh, with it, with our top two, um, and and we need some some younger ones coming through, which is. Uh, with Ali Alatoa in there, that's that's one um, step in the right direction. And Robertson too um, will will come through for sure. I'm not sure if we can get um, Alan Ali Alatoa's uh, Alatoa's brother back from the the Crusaders, but that'd be nice. Yes, no, definitely. Mate, and, and look, just what are you uh, expecting out of Eddie's Poms? What you, you know, you know Eddie, and 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 uh, you know yeah. you know English rugby. What's he gonna? What's his approach gonna be? Do you reckon to, to try and win this? Well, there seems to be there seems to be an opinion, at least around Australia, that all they do is kick the ball in in Europe. And in some cases, some games we've seen that's the case. But um, in the two semi-finals of the of the uh, of either championship. Um, well, particularly in one, in the Saracens versus Leicester game, it, it, there was a, a massive amount of attacking play. In fact, it was almost non-stop attack. The the other game between Exeter and Wasps was played in dreadful conditions, so there was a lot more kicking in that. But even there, there was some very high high skill level um, attack. Uh, so I I certainly expect to see. I expect to see an England team that, that will attack with the ball in hand. Um, they'll, they'll use the kick um, to to uh, just see what's happening in with, with the back three for, for Australia. Um, but so will Australia use use the kick. Well, I, I expect it to be a very entertaining series. I expect it to be tough, but but I expect to see a heck of a lot of play with the ball in hand. Now. It, Eddie became very conservative for a while in his coaching career, but in the last, oh, crikey, five years at least, but maybe a little longer than that, um, he has he has very much uh, approached the game with with a somewhat non-structured shape to his game. Um, both in Japan when he was with um, was at Suntory, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then with the Japanese national team, uh, I, I saw um, some differences in the in the England play in the Six Nations. They were 
they were a little more free. I know from talking to people over there that some of the players feel that that they've that they're under ready. They've got the chance to be themselves. Um, that's a word that's come out of um, that I've heard from over there. So I, I expect it. I expect it to be a very, very tough series. I think if we win this series, we'll have done very well. I expect us to win it, mm-hmm. but um, if we do win it, then we'll have done well. I, I think I think it's a fantastic uh, opportunity for the Wallabies to try themselves again against, uh, well, now the, now the, um, the Six Nations uh, Grand Slam champions. Um, and... Uh, I think the public will love it. I think it'll be a great series, oh, I know. and there'll be there'll be plenty of fun off the field listening to the uh, uh, to the aftermatch from uh, both coaches. <laughs> Indeed, no, I know, I know. I'm looking forward to it. That's for sure. Um, but just talking about that, I mean, this Randwick connection is certainly building up. Um, you know, well, within all camps, but also within the England, England camp. What's going on there? <laughs> Well, it's it's interesting. Um, Eddie's got Glenn back involved. Glenn was assistant coach uh, with the Wallabies when Eddie was there. He was also assistant coach with me when when in the last couple of years that that I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is interesting because I'm, I think I'm pretty right in saying that Eddie and Glenn uh, were in kindergarten together, right? And then and then and then together for their entire school life. Um, both at the local primary school and then at uh, Matraville High School, uh, and then and then at Randwick, of course, and in uh, in the Waratahs. So they've uh, spent a fair bit of time together. And Glenn, Glenn's good. He'll he'll he'll, uh, he'll suit the camp. The guy, the England guys will enjoy him. He's great company. Um, he can he can add a lot. He can add a lot to it. He's a very smart rugby player, well, obviously. Mm. Um, huge talent. And, uh, yeah, I'm a bit dirty with him, actually, on, <laughs> that he's, uh, that he's, uh, agreed to help coach, uh, help coach England. But anyway, that's the way of, uh, the way modern rugby is that, uh, the world's a lot smaller than it used to be. And, um, I, I think, Glenn being there will only help England more. Yeah. I mean, do you think there's maybe a little bit of, as well as these people, um, you know, obviously Glenn being a talent in himself, do you think there's a little bit of mind games going on here both from both sides? I mean, you've got, um, you know, Czechs bringing players back from the UK who are obviously going to have a bit of inside knowledge about what's going on over there. And then you've got Eddie coming over here and recruiting coaches who obviously have a good, have a good line. <laughs> Do you think there might be a little bit of politics going on there as well? Well, you said mind games. First of all, like there's undoubtedly mind games. Eddie's the bloody master of the mind games. <laughs> um, and uh, Czech's not too bad in himself, but Czech tends to play his mind games a bit within his squad. Um, and uh, he, he, gets, he gets plenty out of his players with that. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, I, th- I think there'll be a lot more coming mind games coming out of the England camp rather than out of the out of the Wallaby camp. I think Chick's probably more inclined to stay right out of that and uh, just concentrate on on what he's doing and his squad are doing. Um, but it'll be interesting and a bit of fun. It'll make for some great copy. 
No, yeah, I think we might be seeing some next level um, copy coming out of uh, both those two, <laughs> both those two camps, mate. But look, that's brilliant. Um, uh, thanks very much for joining us and uh, giving us that that lowdown. Um, you, I'm no doubt you're going to get along to at least one of the games, I would imagine. Well, I'm going to the Sydney game and the Melbourne game. I'm not going to go to the Brisbane game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, it's. Uh, I've uh, got my heart in my mouth because uh, I, I think it's tough and um, we want to be ready and firing. Um, great to see so many so many new players, some not so new, but, but excellent players coming into the squad. I mean, Liam Gill in the squad, he's been in phenomenal form. Um, Dane Hale at Petty. Uh, coming in. Some of the other blokes coming back from Europe, uh, Samu Karevi. Uh, I, I think uh, I think there's a lot of guys going to come through there and we're going to see them uh, in the gold jersey for a, for a fair while. So uh, I think I think things are going pretty well. Great. All right, mate. Well, thanks for joining us and uh, we'll speak to you okay. again soon. Thanks, mate. Bye. Captain, number eight, stay here, stay here. You know you're guilty. Don't run away, please. Listen, if they want to do it, they must do it less obvious. This man's lying on the ground, first he's loaded up, and then he tried to work the ball off the deck. Now, it's the second time that when you guys get in the red zone, they kill it. I yeah. won't have any more of it from white shirts. Can you make it clear, please? Yeah. Thank you. Righto, always good to have Bob's insight. And, you know, considering that I assume he coached both those guys, uh, Czech and Eddie, then um, he's got a pretty good idea how they tick. And I thought that quote about how they're both big mind game players. It's just that Eddie's tends to be with the people outside the squad, whereas Czech's tends to be with people inside the squad was pretty interesting. What did you, you pick up on that one, Robert? Um, yeah, I very much agree with Bob there. Um, well, you can name examples of when, um, when Czech's been motivating his players. I mean, there's a the time he gave them golf clubs against uh, when they were playing the final against the Crusaders and told them to tee off. There's yeah. another one that's gone pretty viral where he's got the um, poker face, where he's got someone very, very, um, let's say, artistic drawing of a face showing no expression and telling his players, you know, don't let them get to you, don't, you know, just play your game. Yeah. And, I, I, yeah. I think there's so much about what he does, which is kind of uh, symbolism, isn't it? And I think it's symbolism for the players and symbolism for him. Um Here's one for both of you guys, though. I think there's another level of mind games which is going on here, which is so we've seen Czech kind of bring back a couple of guys, you know, from the English playing establishment. So he's got Horwell back, I think, A, because we could do with a bit of experience in the locks, but I think a lot of it's because of what he'll know about the players he's going to be playing against. Same with Leroy Houston. But then I think you've got a whole nother level going on with Eddie where, you know, he's now got... Um, you know, Glenn Eller um, coaching. He's got uh, George Smith's been running breakdown classes um, with the English team. And a little bird has told me that he might be bringing someone in to do some consultancy around uh, the set piece who would, I think, just about blow everyone's minds if this, Al Baxter. If this comes to pass. Not quite. Laurie Fisher? Not quite. Think about where he's been recruiting from so far. Which club? 
you've got me. I don't know. I'm not sure. We talk. I would have what? said Topo Rodriguez, but from that LinkedIn post from a while ago, I don't think they're good. Topo ripped that one up. No, look. I mean, look so far. So Loon, obviously, he's from Randwick. He's recruited Glenella from Randwick. Uh, who else would he know in Randwick? I guess he can't have Czech. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> Michael Checker, the ultimate mind game. <laughs> <laughs> so, who, yeah, who does it leave? I'll tell you what, it's not far from that. Randwick. It's not Bob himself, is it? No. Although you're, you're getting warmer, think, you know, you're starting to think about ex-international Wallaby coaches. Ex-international Randwick Wallaby coaches? McQueen? I don't know where people are from. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, look, I think people are uh, listening to the podcast will be screaming, um, could it possibly be? All, all I'm going to say is that the rumour is out there that it could be, um, which I think would probably be the biggest rugby sporting story uh, of this year, uh, if it happens. I can't believe you guys still haven't figured it out. Oh, you're going to tell us. Tell us, Ramwick. I'm trying to think. Phil Kearns. Getting closer, you're about as warm as you can get now, except that he wasn't a Wallaby coach, was he? No, so that's right. <laughs> <laughs> coach prop, uh, I've had a mental blank. I've had a massive mental blank. Oh, you and McKenzie? Uh, you may say so. I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> uh, we got there. Right, anyway, uh, moving moving right along. I mean, <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. Could you imagine it? I, I can't because it's so unfathomable. <laughs> <laughs> if that's just like it. That's, yeah, that would be one of the biggest sporting mindfucks that I could imagine. Um, and if it did, so so just as you sit there thinking how audacious would that be, it's impossible to think that Eddie Jones wouldn't have thought of it. Oh, of course. I, I don't know. Of all the people to coach a set piece, though, Link, the scrum was okay on the Link, but it was by no means dominant. I'm not sure he would stand out as a that's the thing about some of these coaching decisions bringing it back to eddie and and the Mm. coaches he has appointed it's all well and good to pick these guys out i don't know if they're great coaches though george smith was you know he's got a lot of knowledge i suppose but george smith didn't strike me as a guy that would particularly be an incredible coach he was never the most effusive person Mm. or the most sort of the a leader at all um as a captain um, so I don't know. Look, I think the proof would be in the pudding to answer the question. I mean, the mind games, mind games are mind games. And but this is and, where it's um, just a beautiful. Mi- this is where it's a beautiful mind game, isn't it? So you know, how much is either Glenn Eller or George Smith really going to be inputting? Because you know, these are just consultancy roles that are only going to last for a short amount of time, right? Yeah. So he's already. It's not like they're his proper assistant coaches, where he's got Borthwick, Gustard, and he's got another. He's actually got a scrum coach as well, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, so if, if say, this crazy idea of Link coming in and doing some consultancy there, say, I mean, yes, he can, I'm sure he's a smart guy, I'm sure he could add a bit, but it's not like he's taking a full-time role. So really, I think it's, but it's a complete, fantastic mindfuck, especially for the press, because the press would just disintegrate about it. So you want to take away heat away from the England players? I mean, that would just be, you know, the AAU would suddenly be off in arms. It just, it would just be a masterstroke. Um, give everyone else something, something to talk about. Just be brilliant. Um, and then at the same time, there's that little thing that just goes into the players, those Wallaby players who've played with Link, 
um, you know, brings back not a very nice time for them and it just drops into their head that, geez, he knows quite a bit about the way we tick. Um, you know, he was the last bloody coach. So anyway, I just, even if this is a complete furphy, it's a fantastic mind game. Um, that's, that's worth playing. And I think this is going to be just fantastic to watch, um, over, over time. And, you know, you wonder how they do that sort of recruitment and you can only think you, I mean, you know, where would you go online to recruit anyone like that in, in rugby worldwide? If only there was some sort of central website where, you know, you could go on and create a profile for a player and, you know, to, to, to uh, attract the attention of, of overseas clubs. Yeah, well, as it happens, funny you should say that, but our sponsor, Sporkle.com, does exactly that. So, oh, yeah. sensational. Exactly. Um, how smooth is that? So, um, yeah, look, if you're a player or if you're a team and you want, you need some talent or you want to go somewhere to play, sportpool.com is for you. Get in there. Either tell them about which players you need um, with what sort of experience or what sort of level or if you're a player, get your profile filled out there. Teams can come and find you or you can go and find um, situations. Um, if you're a kid who's just finished and you're thinking about or is someone at uni and you want to get, get overseas and play some rugby, it's the perfect situation. If you're even a subbies club and you're looking for who's the next player we're going to bring along so it's not the same jokers from down the road, get on to sportball.com. Uh, very kind sponsors of the pod. Thanks, thanks to those guys. But look, moving right along, these ladies don't need any help from Sportball right now, I've got to say. On the back of the Women's 7 success, what happens post-Rio? So, Hugh, were you up there screaming your tits off on Sunday night watching them play? Yeah, I was. I was. And it, they're great to watch the, our, our Women's Sevens team. I've got to say that they um, they just have so much class right across the paddock. And, and I, I didn't see the whole tournament just given the time delay, but I certainly saw uh, their first two games um, – on um, on Saturday night and, and the game against Spain on Sunday to, to lock up the world title, mm. but um, I, I just love I just love the way they play and their skills are just so so much better than their opposition um, in the games I've seen and and their ten- tenacity in defence and they're just their willingness to work off the ball in attack and defence. You know, it's it, often in sevens it can be a bit of a one out game and um, you've just got maybe one or two people running in support, but. All seven of them are all running these really intelligent lines, staying in support, working off the ball, and they just sort of – they don't have that huge destructive power, but they just work the ball left and right through the field, and then they just isolate that mismatch, and one step or one nice pass, and all of a sudden, they're away. And, mm. and you know, some of the players, they've got um, incredible squad. A player like Chloe Dalton, so – Underrated, doing what she does in the midfield, and you know, Elliot Greens and and um, and, and your um, Charlotte Caslicks of the world get a lot of attention. But I thought Chloe Dalton um, had a, had a really good game, um, had a really good series of games um, in Clermont. Um, and um, yeah, look on, on to Rio. We didn't win the tournament though. We got done by Canada in the final, which was disappointing, but um, cer- certainly good signs, Matt. Yeah, no, it was brilliant, and I must have just. We could wang on about just how good they are, I think, for a, for a good long time. But the, the thing that blows me away is the accuracy of their skills, uh, you know, whether it's at the breakdown or with their passing game is just fantastic. Um, long passes because they like to keep their width um, and keep the space because they can really, you know, they, as you were saying, their running lines and their footwork is so good they can then take advantage of it. But um, I, I think actually the accuracy of their passing is better than the men's. I, th- I thought it was 
it was just um, it was just fantastic. I guess you know because maybe because it's such an integral part of their game. But look, so that they've blown us away with this fantastic play with this amazing achievement. Uh, the question we've got here is: um, Look, they're going to go on to Rio. We can only at the moment they're in the box seat for. Well, they're in the box seat for, for a gold medal, but you would at least hope they're going to come away with, with a medal. And I think, whereas I think the men are going to have to scrap to get somewhere close. Um, so then what happens? You know, is, uh, is it kind of, is, is, is this just been a crescendo that's going to, that's, that's going to dissolve? I'm going to stay with you here for a second, Hugh, because you've, you know, got a little bit to do with these sorts of tournaments and sevens and stuff like that. Have you got any insight here? I mean, how do, how do we keep this alive? Well, certainly from a, from a local perspective, there is a bid in place to try and secure a round of the World Sevens uh, women's to, to tie into Sydney um, in February next year. And that would be great mm. if we can get that and the sign suggests that there's a good chance. So that that is something, I mean, as a, from a local perspective, to give it that once-a-year kick and have host all the teams there and, and give them an opportunity to play in front of a home crowd because I think that's really important um, – to, to keep the sport going. We saw in the Sydney Sevens they played a bit of a, a, a three-match a three match series against Ireland in between the men's games. And I think, um, as we've seen, I think, at Waratah's games at halftime, and I know that's not the national seed side, that's just the club women's sevens uh, teams, it, it just putting it in front of people and everyone goes, oh, I haven't thought of watching women's sevens before, but this is fantastic. Mm. And they get to see that physicality and skill up close and, and it certainly helps. I, I think the nature of... This sport being an Olympic sport now is you are you, you can't get away from that once every four year crescendo. You know that's going to be that's going to be the one thing that people work for, and your interest is going to wane, wax and wane according, accordingly. But um, I think the participation should be where we really try and drive growth coming out of Rio because you've got to think it's a massive and the R you have identified it's a massive untapped market. That's you know the, the female participation market, and I think we should be trying to get these guys out there as role models for young girls, um, to, you know, teenagers right through to to, to your seniors, and, and get get people in the game and show them take demystify that as a contact sport. It's not just for blokes; anyone can get out there and do it. And you know, we've got such a sensational women's team, you know, um, you know, Alicia Quirk and Emma Tonagato and Emily Cherry and all of these guys that we can hope to make household names and, and, and have people aspiring to be like them, I think it would be sensational. Yeah, I mean, I think it fits really well, um, like you're saying, from a, not just from a sort of like a show level, but a, at a participation level um, with women's and sevens. I think that goes really well together and I, I can see that. So, I, you know, I've been – I can be a bit cranky about talking about where rugby's going and how it's going to grow, um, but I think definitely on the women's side, I think it's that's going to get – that's going to be really strong, and I think that's going to potentially really, um, you know, overshadow a lot of other rugby as far as its participation. Uh, Bobus, have you been getting kind of pulled into the sevens vibe as well? I have, I have. I'm really looking forward to Rio. I could mm. talk about the women's team, but I'll just be rehashing what Hughes just said much more succinctly than I would have said. Yeah. Um, so, just a couple of fun facts. Brazil, because they're the host nation, is going to have to be in one of the pools. And according to Wikipedia, they're not the greatest team. So they could be racking up some cricket scores, um, the teams against them. And South Africa, women's team, they won their African conference. 
mm-hmm. but aren't sending their team to Rio. So the Kenyans get in by default. Why so I'm not sure why they're not, but they're not. And lastly, mm. I've got a trivia question. The highest score recorded in sevens, according to Google. Men's or women's? Uh, I don't know what it was. I'm guessing men's. Jeez. Uh, they, they I'll give you a the... clue. I'll give you a clue of the teams playing, which won't help you. It was Chinese Taipei, and they beat Qatar in the 2006 Asian <laughs> Games in Doha. Oh, that that was that yeah. was a great game. I remember. Yeah, that was a cracker that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I had a few news there. It was I can big, give you higher or lower. It was a big day that one. Um, say, even score, even yeah. score. Fourteen minutes. You can't do too much in fourteen minutes. I'll say seventy-nine. I said an even score, but it's higher than seventy-nine. Oh, okay. All right, so it's each. So okay. Uh, oh no, it's 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 to nil. It's to nil. Oh, to nil. All right. So okay, you said seventy nine. It's an even number. Sorry. Yeah, okay, ninety. Uh, lower. Oh, Eighty four. Lower. <laughs> Eighty two. Is that Perfect. your guess, Matt? Feel like the price Hugh is right. Was, Hugh was really close with seventy nine off the bat. Yeah, Eighty two nil. It's all coming back to me now. That was a bloody. <laughs> and to be fair to Qatar, they Great the ref, well. they just didn't get the cut of the cut of the green with some of the the, the rub of the green with the refereeing decisions that day. I thought they were a bit hard done by they Chinese were. Taipei. Were just you know they they just got a few lucky calls early on and got away with it. Yeah, well that's the way they play. That the type the guys from Taipei. All righty, so that's the sevens. Uh, so let's get the final question. And this is the, the most burning question, I think, here. What the hell do Rugby Watchers of Australia do this weekend? So we're not used to this anymore. I remember we used to have bloody weeks when there was literally nothing. Um, now, I say this, and I actually I put this out to Twitter. So I've got some answers um, already, and, I, and you, you guys can kind of react uh, to some of these. Um, so obviously a whole bunch of people came back and said, well, Club rugby, you bloody idiot, um, which is fair enough. Um, so, you know, you've got the shoot shield going on. Uh, there's a whole bunch, and I'm assuming the same's going on right around the country. Not, not everyone's been sucked into a Wallaby camp, although they have announced a lot of players in there. Um, so, you know, other suggestions included uh, from Rugby Smartass, Vivid. Hugh, you'd have to be happy with that, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, I would. <laughs> World's largest festival of light music and ideas, mate. It's sensational, even. Mate, only an idiot would go on a weekend, though. Um, okay, Steve Lenthal, this is a really good one. And actually, this kind of talks about what we're going to start doing on the Gaga website um, over the coming weeks. He suggests um, watch replays of the Oz v England World Cup pool game and then choose a proper man of the match. So. <laughs> 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 Which uh, isn't, isn't, isn't hard. I. Def, I'm definitely going to get that one out um, and give that a good old look over. Uh, we're also going to be showcasing some of the content that we pumped out around about that time. It was so good. Um, Brett Mackay at, at BMC Sport says, I've banked a heap of games on the IQ, so it'll just look like a normal round in my house. Set up Saturday Avo game two to avoid sudden jobs. I like that. That's a nice one. Uh, Cyclopath is starting to taper for Brisbane on the next weekend. Uh, which sounds uh, pretty logical. And look, oh, and then this one. So this is my public service announcement from Jamie Sprague. Um, get to the Queen Street Mall in Brisbane at 2 p.m. Saturday to meet the full Qantas Wallaby squad. So there you go. Um, get down there. 
So, um, boys, what, what are your recommendations? Bovis, what, what, what are you going to be doing? Is it going to involve oh, rugby Mate, I'm going yeah, to be watching the rugby league without the origin players. That's going to that's the top of my list. <laughs> no, seriously, though, I did write a serious one out. Um, the Socceroos are playing, and I am partial to the father game. The Socceroos and the Matildas, one of them's the Socceroos are playing Greece, and the Matildas are playing New Zealand. All right. So that'll be good to see, hopefully, um, hopefully a high-scoring game, but you never know when you watch soccer sometimes. Where's that going to be? Is that here? Um, first one, the Socceroos are playing at ANZ on Saturday uh-huh. night. Uh-huh. And the Matildas are playing, I think, in Ballarat on the same day. The Matildas at 3 p.m. and the Socceroos at 8 p.m. Okay. And then on the Tuesday, they're both playing in Melbourne. Oh, come on. on, on um, so- come on. Come on. I mean, okay. I just, run through sort of... the buddy squad now. So... <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> but it'd be good to beat New Zealand. Come on. Yeah. Here's, okay. here's, here's something for people to chew on. Yeah. Um, just, just incidentally, because we're talking about that. Talking about ticket sales uh, for rugby can often, you know, be hot and cold. Um, Origin looks like with the weather they might struggle to crack seventy thousand um, at ANZ Stadium, and that would be the lowest crowd for as long as I can remember for an Origin game. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Socceroos Greece sales are slow, slow, slow in Melbourne and also in Sydney. So. Um, the fact that the Wallabies England match uh, looks like it might be sold out in Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane um, can only be a good thing. So I thought I'd just inject a bit of positivity there. Mm. Some of the other games. No, no, look forward to that. Look, you know, just as a reflection on that, is going to be it's almost hard to think about um, the rugby championship. I, you know, that's going to this whole tour with with England has just kind of turned everything on its head. Um, usually, you know that. Inbound tests are kind of the thing that you're just looking to get out of the way to get into the real stuff. But you know, this is the highlight of the year, surely, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I can't, yeah, can't wait. And and it's because it's winnable too. I think you always go in the rugby championship with a sense of, well, how are we going to do here? You know, but this is a three games, very easy to understand. Australia, England, a lot of history, um, and we we hopefully should come away with a win. Yeah. Okay. Good one. Well, I think that's about it for the for, for this week, boys. Um, so thanks for everybody for downloading or uh, you know subscribing, whatever you've done. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do get into iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from and get in there. Um, if you're a long time listener and you're thinking, "Geez, I want to just tell those boys what a great job they do." Um, then get on there and drop us an iTunes review or indeed just paste us like other people have. Um, that, that happens in there as well. Um, but otherwise, um, have a good week. Oh, I tell you what I've got to r- remind everyone about. We have put together, or should I say we, Reg has put together, which is probably why he's burnt out, a, a fantastic podcast special. So in light of the England Test Series come, coming up, he has put together – if people might rec- remember, he interviewed a bunch of Wallaby greats uh, in the lead-up to the World Cup, and he's actually picked out a bunch of the choice bits from when they talked about the uh, 90, the win in 91. So he's talking to people like Poito. He's talking to people like uh, Noddy. 
and uh, Nick Farr Jones and all sorts of people, and he's got the best bits there and he's put it together. And it's going to be in a special podcast, which we're looking to uh, send down the pipe probably on Friday. So uh, keep an ear out for that that one, guys. Um, definitely worth listening to. Um, and something over the weekend. I tell you what, that's what can replace your lack of rugby this weekend. Is going to be Reg's podcast. Um, well worth listening to. Um, I think you guys will be excited about that, surely. Oh yeah, I'll be first one there. Yeah, God, I, I don't need to talk to my loved ones for God's sake. <laughs> exactly, screen them out. All right, guys, look, thanks for coming on. No Cheers, worries, man. mate. Okay, and thanks for everybody. Uh, thanks for letting us come in your ears. See you next week. Yeah, right there, right there.